This is day 21 of our daily Bible reading. We will be reading Leviticus chapters 11 through 15 today. Lord God, you are so holy. You are so awesome and righteous. And you will declare yourself as such today. And Lord, that we may remember that throughout our days, that you are so high above us that we have no reason to do anything but to worship you. Lord, help us to be humble today and to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord spoke again to Moses and to Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, These are the creatures which you may eat from all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever divides a hoof, thus making split hoofs, and choose the cud among the animals that you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat of these among those which chew the cud, or among those which divide the hoof. The camel, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It is unclean to you. Likewise, the chiffon, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It is unclean to you. The rabbit also, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It is unclean to you. And the pig, for though it divides the hoof, thus making a split hoof, it does not chew cud. It is unclean to you. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. These you may eat. Whatever is in the water, all that have fins and scales, those in the water, in the seas or in the rivers, you may eat. But whatever is in the seas or in the rivers that does not have fins and scales among all the teeming life of the water and among all the living creatures that are in the water, they are detestable things to you, and they shall be abhorrent to you. You may not eat of their flesh, and their carcasses you shall detest. Whatever is in the water doesn't, that does not have fins and scales is abhorrent to you. These, moreover, you shall detest among the birds. They are abhorrent, not to be eaten. The eagle and the vulture and the buzzard and the kite and the falcon in its kind, every raven in its kind, and the ostrich and the owl, and the seagull, and the hawk in its kind, and the little owl, and the cormorant, and the great owl, and the white owl, and the pelican, and the carrion vulture, and the stork, the heron in its kinds, and the hoopoe, and the bat. All the winged insects that walk on all fours are detestable to you, yet these you may eat among all the winged insects which walk on all fours, those which have above their feet jointed legs with which to jump on the earth. These to them you may eat, the locust in its kinds, and the devastating locust in its kinds, and the cricket in its kinds, and the grasshopper in its kinds. But all other winged insects which are four-footed are detestable to you. By these, moreover, you will be made unclean. Whoever touches their carcasses becomes unclean until evening. And whoever picks up any of their carcasses shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Concerning all the animals which divide the hoof, but do not make a split hoof, or which do not chew cud, they are unclean to you. Whoever touches them becomes unclean. Also, whatever walks on its paws among all the creatures that walk on all fours are unclean to you. Whoever touches their carcasses becomes unclean until evening. And the one who picks up their carcasses shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. They are unclean to you. Now these are to you the unclean among the swarming things which swarm on the earth the mole, and the mouse, and the great lizard in its kinds, and the gecko, and the crocodile, and the lizard, 
and the sand reptile and the chameleon. These are to you the unclean among all the swarming things. Whoever touches them when they are dead becomes unclean until evening. Also, anything on which one of them may fall when they are dead becomes unclean, including any wooden article, or clothing, or a skin, or a sack, any article of which use is made. It shall be put in the water and be unclean until evening. Then it becomes clean. As for any earthenware vessel into which one of them may fall, whatever is in it becomes unclean, and you shall break the vessel. Any of the food which may be eaten, on which water comes, shall become unclean. And any liquid which may be drunk in every vessel shall become unclean. Everything, moreover, on which part of their carcass may fall becomes unclean. An oven or a stove shall be smashed. They are unclean and shall continue as unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern collecting water shall be clean, though the one who touches their carcasses shall be unclean. If a part of their carcasses falls on any seed for sowing, which is to be sown, it is clean. Though if water is put on the seed and a part of their carcass falls on it, it is unclean to you. Also, if one of the animals dies which you have for food, the one who touches its carcass becomes unclean until evening. He too who eats some of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening and the one who pick up, picks up its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Now every swarming thing that swarms on the earth is detestable, not to be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, and whatever walks on all fours, whatever has many feet, in respect to every swarming thing that swarms on the earth, you shall not eat them, for they are detestable. Do not render yourselves detestable through any of the swarming things that swarm, and you shall not make yourselves unclean with them so that you will become unclean. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the law regarding the animal and the bird, and every living thing that moves in the waters, and everything that swarms on the earth, to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean, and between the edible creature and the creature which is not to be eaten. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation she shall be unclean. On the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for thirty-three days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary, until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her menstruation, and she shall remain in the blood of her purification for sixty-six days. When the days of her purification are completed, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. 
This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she will be clean. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, or a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the infection has turned white, and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has the infection for seven days. The priest shall look at him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the infection has not changed, and the infection has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. The priest shall look at him again on the seventh day, and if the infection has faded, and the mark has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spreads farther on the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again to the priest. The priest shall look, and if the scab has spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When the infection of leprosy is on a man, then he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall then look, and if there is a white swelling in the skin, and it has turned the hair white, and there is quick, raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprosy on the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. If the leprosy breaks out farther on the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of him who has the infection, from the head even to his feet, as far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and behold, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce clean him who has the infection. It has all turned white, and he is clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. The priest shall look at the raw flesh, and he shall pronounce him unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh turns again and is changed to white, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall look at him, and behold, if the infection has turned to white, then the priest shall pronounce clean him who has the infection. He is clean. When the body has a boil on its skin, and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there is a white swelling, or a reddish-white bright spot, then it shall be shown to the priest, and the priest shall look. And behold, if it appears to be lower than the skin, and the hair on it has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is the infection of leprosy. It has broken out in the boil. But if the priest looks at it, and behold, there are no white hairs in it, and it is not lower than the skin and is faded, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And if it spreads farther on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection. But if the bright spot remains in its place and does not spread, it is only the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. 
or if the body sustains in its skin a burn by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish-white or white, then the priest shall look at it, and if the hair in the bright spot has turned white, and it appears to be deeper than the skin, it is leprosy. It has broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the priest looks at it, and indeed, there is no white hair in the bright spot, and it is no deeper than the skin, but is dim, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days, and the priest shall look at him on the seventh day. If it spreads farther in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the bright spot remains in its place, and has not spread in the skin, but is dim, it is the swelling from the burn. And the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is only the scar of the burn. Now, if a man or woman has an infection on the head or on the beard, then the priest shall look at the infection, and if it appears to be deeper than the skin, and there is thin yellowish hair in it, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scale. It is leprosy of the head or of the beard. But if the priest looks at the infection of the scale, and indeed it appears to be no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the person with the scaly infection for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall look at the infection, and if the scale has not spread and no yellowish hair has grown in it, and the appearance of the scale is no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself. But he shall not shave the scale, and the priest shall isolate the person with the scale seven more days. Then on the seventh day, the priest shall look at the scale, and if the scale has not spread in the skin, and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale spreads farther in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall look at him, and if the scale has spread in the skin, the priest not need seek for the yellowish hair. He is unclean. If in his sight the scale has remained, however, and black hair has grown in it, the scale has healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, even white bright spots, then the priest shall look, and if the bright spots on the skin of their bodies are a faint white, it is eczema that has broken out on the skin. He is clean. Now, if a man loses the hair on his head, he is bald. He is clean. If his head becomes bald at the front and sides, he is bald on the forehead. He is clean. But if on the bald head or the bald forehead there occurs a reddish-white infection, it is leprosy breaking out on his bald head and on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall look at him, and if the swelling of the infection is reddish-white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprosy in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His infection is on his head. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. When a garment has a mark of leprosy in it, whether it is a wool garment or a linen garment, 
whether in warp or woof, of linen or of wool, whether in leather or in any article made of leather. If the mark is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, or in the warp or in the woof, or in any article of leather, it is a leprous mark and shall be shown to the priest. Then the priest shall look at the mark and shall quarantine the article with the mark for seven days. He shall then look at the mark on the seventh day. If the mark has spread in the garment, whether in the warp or in the woof or in the leather, whatever the purpose for which the leather is used, the mark is a leprous malignancy. It is unclean. So he shall burn the garment, whether the warp or the woof, in wool or in linen, or in any article of leather in which the mark occurs, for it is a leprous malignancy. It shall be burned in the fire. But if the priest shall look, and indeed the mark has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or in any article of leather, then the priest shall order them to wash the thing in which the mark occurs, and he shall quarantine it for seven more days. After the article with the mark has been washed, the priest shall again look, and if the mark has not changed its appearance, even though the mark has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire, whether an eating away has produced barrenness on the top or on the front of it. Then if the priest looks, and if the mark has faded after it has been washed, then he shall tear it out of the garment or out of the leather, whether from the warp or from the woof. And if it appears again in the garment, whether in the warp or in the woof, or in any article of leather, it is an outbreak. The article with the mark shall be burned in the fire. The garment, whether the warp or the woof, or any article of leather from which the mark has departed when you washed it, it shall then be washed a second time and will be clean. This is the law for the mark of leprosy in a garment of wool or linen, whether in the warp or in the woof, or in any article of leather, for pronouncing it clean or unclean. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two live clean birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. He shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the live bird go free over the open field. The one to be cleansed shall then wash his clothes and shave off all his hair, and bathe in water and be clean. Now afterward he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside his tent for seven days. It will be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all his hair. He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. Now on the eighth day, he is to take two male lambs without defect and a yearling ewe lamb without defect and three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, and one log of oil. And the priest who pronounces him clean shall present the man to be cleansed, 
And the aforesaid before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Then the priest shall take the one male lamb and bring it for a guilt offering with the log of oil and present them as a wave offering before the Lord. Next he shall slaughter the male lamb in the place where they slaughter the sin offering and the burnt offering at the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall then take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall also take some of the log of oil, and pour it into his left palm. The priest shall then dip his right-hand finger into the oil that is in his left palm, and with his finger sprinkle some of the oil seven times before the Lord. Of the remaining oil which is in his palm, the priest shall put some on the right earlobe of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the guilt offering, while the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm he shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf before the Lord. The priest shall next offer the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Then afterward, he shall slaughter the burnt offering. The priest shall offer up the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he will be clean. But if he is poor and his means are insufficient, then he is to take one male lamb for a guilt offering as a wave offering to make atonement for him and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, and a log of oil, and two turtle doves or two young pigeons, which are within his means. The one shall be a sin offering, and the other a burnt offering. Then on the eighth day he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest, at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord. The priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall offer them for a wave offering before the Lord. Next he shall slaughter the lamb of the guilt offering, and the priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall also pour some of the oil into his left palm, and with his right hand finger the priest shall sprinkle some of the oil that is in his left palm seven times before the Lord. The priest shall then put some of the oil that is in his palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot on the place of the blood of the guilt offering. Moreover, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm he shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed, to make atonement on his behalf before the Lord. He shall then offer one of the turtle doves, or young pigeons, which are within his means. He shall offer what he can afford, the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering together with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement before the Lord on behalf of the one who is to be cleansed. This is the law for him in whom there is an infection of leprosy, whose means are limited for his cleansing. The Lord further spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a mark of leprosy on a house in the land of your possession, then the one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, Something like a mark of leprosy 
has become visible to me in the house. The priest shall then command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to look at the mark, so that everything in the house need not become unclean. And afterward the priest shall go in to look at the house. So he shall look at the mark. And if the marks on the walls of the house has greenish or reddish depressions and appears deeper than the surface, then the priest shall come out of the house to the doorway and quarantine the house for seven days. The priest shall return on the seventh day and make an inspection. If the mark has indeed spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall order them to tear out the stones with the mark in them and throw them away at the unclean place outside the city. He shall have the house scraped all around inside, and they shall dump the plaster that they scrape off at an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and replace those stones, and he shall take other plaster and replaster the house. If, however, the mark breaks out again in the house, after he has torn out the stones and scraped the house, and after it has become replastered, then the priest shall come in and make an inspection. If he sees that the mark has indeed spread in the house, it is a malignant mark in the house. It is unclean. He shall therefore tear down the house, its stones and its timbers, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall take them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, whoever goes into the house during the time that he has quarantined it becomes unclean until evening. Likewise, whoever lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. If, on the other hand, the priest comes in and makes an inspection, and the mark has not indeed spread in the house, after the house has been replastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, because the mark has not reappeared. To cleanse the house, then, he shall take two birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string and hyssop, and he shall slaughter the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. Then he shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet string with the live bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird as well as in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall thus cleanse the house with the bird and with the running water along with the live bird and with the cedar wood and with the hyssop and with the scarlet string. However, he shall let the live bird go free outside the city into the open field. So he shall make atonement for the house, and it will be clean. This is the law for any mark of leprosy, even for a scale, and for the leprous garment or house, and for a swelling or for a scab, and for a bright spot, to teach when they are unclean and when they are clean. This is the law of leprosy. The Lord also spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. This, moreover, shall make his uncleanness and his discharge. It is his uncleanness whether his body allows its discharge to flow or whether his body obstructs its discharge. Every bed on which the person with a discharge lies because becomes unclean, and everything on which he sits becomes unclean. Anyone, moreover, who touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever sits on the thing on which the man with the discharge has been sitting shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Also, whoever touches the person with the discharge 
shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Or if the man with the discharge spits on one who is clean, he too shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Every saddle on which the person with the discharge rides becomes unclean. Whoever then touches any of the things which were under him shall be unclean until evening. And he who carries them shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Likewise, whomever the one with the discharge touches without having rinsed his hands in water shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. However, an earthenware vessel which the person with the discharge touches shall be broken, and every wooden vessel shall be rinsed in water. Now, when the man with the discharge becomes cleansed from his discharge, then he shall count off for himself seven days from his cleansing. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in running water, and will become clean. Then on the eighth day he shall take for himself two turtle doves or two young pigeons, and come before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and give them to the priest. And the priest shall offer them, one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf before the Lord because of his discharge. Now if a man has a seminal emission, he shall bathe all his body in water and be unclean until evening. As for any garment or any leather on which there is seminal emission, it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. If a man lies with a woman so that there is a seminal emission, they shall both bathe in water and be unclean until evening. When a woman has a discharge, if her discharge in her body is blood, she shall continue in her menstrual impurity for seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything also on which she lies during her menstrual impurity shall be unclean, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean. Anyone who touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever touches anything on which she sits shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whether it be on the bed or on the thing on which she is sitting, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. If a man actually lies with her, so that her menstrual impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. Now if a woman has a discharge of her blood many days, not at the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity. She is unclean. Any bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her like her bed at menstruation, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean, like her uncleanness at that time. Likewise, whoever touches them shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes, and bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. When she becomes clean from her discharge, she shall count off for herself seven days, and afterward she will be clean. Then on the eighth day she shall take for herself two turtle doves and two young pigeons, and bring them in to the priest, to the doorway of the tent of meeting. The priest shall offer the one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement on her behalf before the Lord because of her impure discharge. 
Thus you shall keep the sons of Israel separated from their uncleanness, so that they will not die in their uncleanness by their defiling my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for the one with a discharge, and for the one who has a seminal emission so that he is unclean by it, and for the woman who is ill because of menstrual impurity, and for the one who has a discharge, whether a male or a female, or a man who lies with an unclean woman. If you made it this far, congratulations. That was a lot of reading. That's the most that I've had to read straightforward in one time. And quite honestly, at the very beginning of my recording of this, I did a bit of editing because it was a lot of reading and I made a lot of mistakes at the very beginning. But once I got about maybe a quarter of the way in, then it started going very smoothly and I had to do very little to no edits on what I was reading. Now, I'll try to keep this as short as possible, but there are some very important things to note on here that are just very, some of them are very important, some of them are just very interesting. So let me get started at least on the beginning of chapter 11 here. So it mentions um, that what is determined to be a clean animal and what is considered an unclean animal. And it's all determined by the if it has hooves and if it ha if it chews cud. So that is the determination. Now there's a couple of things that are really interesting about this section because you're going to see that this five chapters that we read is a science book as well as a medical manual, right? I mean, if you were reading it with me, it sounded like you were reading like a doctor's manual on how to diagnose stuff, as well as, you know, what is determined by, you know, scientific reason on some of these things. So, for starters, it mentions one of the things that you cannot eat, which is the rabbit. And it says that the rabbit also chews cud. And for the longest time, scientists believed that this was wrong, that rabbits do not chew cud. But it was found out not too long ago, I'd say in the last maybe, uh, don't quote me on this, but maybe 30, 40 years ago, they finally discovered that a rabbit does chew cud. It's a little bit unique in the way that it does it, but it does chew cud. And it just proves the Bible's right. I mean, we, all, we already knew it, right? Because we, we trust that the Bible's correct. Now, it says that everything that has scales and fins you can eat, but nothing else, I guess, no, no sushi, octopus night, so on and so forth. Now, this one was interesting as well, and this is one that a lot of people call a contradiction, because just bear in mind that this is God saying all this stuff in all these five chapters. So this is God telling the people what to do, and so... Knowing that God does not make mistakes, there has to be a logical reason for this, okay? Hear me out. So, it talks about birds. What are considered clean birds, what are considered unclean birds. It mentions the owls, the pelicans, the vultures, the storks, and the bat. Is God trying to say that the bat is a bird? Now, no, it's not. Because, first of all, what we consider scientific classification of animals is not the same way they did it back then. It is a flying creature that resembles a bird. Even though we know it's a flying mammal and it's not a bird, it's the same logic. It flies with wings and is a mammal or a bird and it is unclean either way. So he's not saying that a bat is a bird. We know it's not, and it doesn't say anywhere that he's calling it a bird. Okay, so let's just be clear about that. So now we have another interesting one, the winged insects. And it says that they walk on all fours. And yet it says that a grasshopper walks on all fours. Doesn't a grasshopper 
have six legs, right? Well, think of it like this. It says that they are four-footed. Now, in those days, yes, we understand that they have six legs, right? But what does it look like to a an Israelite back in this time, in a much more uncivilized, more primitive, scientifically, technologically, everythingly way? If you look at a grasshopper, what do they usually do? They only sit on four legs, and they use the other two like, like arms, almost. So in those days, you'll see this in other parts of the Bible, especially about spiders as well, that the spider grabs things with its hands. We know it doesn't have hands like us, but to a, an Israelite, if, it has a, if it's a six-legged creature and it uses four to walk on or sit with, and it uses two to grasp things or at least uh, to move in a hand-like manner, it calls them hands. So let's just be clear about it. It's not saying that, oh, God can't count. A grasshopper obviously has six legs, so this is a contradiction. There's people who are going to find all, all sorts of stuff that are going to, they're going to claim as contradictions when there are, there's a reasonable, logical explanation for it. I thought this was interesting. This is, I mean, don't quote me on this either, but it says here in verse 29, now these are unclean among the swarming things which swarm on the earth, the mole, the mouse, and the great lizard in its kinds. What could that be? A great lizard in its kinds. Well, you know, if you look at other parts of the Bible, some translators as well as some commentators try to describe things which we'll see later, like behemoth and Leviathan. They try to compare Leviathan to a hippo, and they try to compare Behemoth to a crocodile, something like that. And, I mean, even in my study Bible, that's what it says. I'm like, oh, come on, really? That is obviously not what it's saying. And, and so if they're saying it's a, a crocodile, right? How come the crocodile has its own section? Hmm? It says great lizard, the gecko, crocodile, lizard, sand reptile, chameleon. What do we think these great lizards are? They're dinosaurs. Dinosaurs were around in the Bible times. I know that's kind of mind-blowing to think about, but dinosaurs were around at this time, according to Scripture. So that's exactly what it could be. And this is not the only mention of great lizards and dinosaurs in the Bible. Okay? And they were on the ark, too. I mean, this is nothing new. And in some ways, they're still around. Don't be confused with that. Very important thing that the Lord said at the end of chapter 11. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's why he's doing all of this. He wants them to be separate he wants them to be different from the rest of the nations around them. And in many ways, make them more advanced than the nations around them. Because we're going to get into some, to some stuff here that is well above his, its time. Of course, it's God. God already knew all this. And so this shouldn't be a surprise to us. But you know how mankind is. It has to figure it out on itself, by itself, in order for it to be believable. And it's not until almost modern times that some of this stuff came to be discovered, quote-unquote, as being reality. And even though God said it thousands of years ago, so that just goes to show that the Bible is indeed accurate in so many ways. So, I, you know, quite honestly, the, um, the whole idea of being unclean and clean is very confusing. I mean, we, we all can agree on that, I'm sure. But now, let's, let's, let's ask the question. What does it mean to be unclean? Because you see this word appear probably about a hundred times in what I just read. So, this is not 
This is more of a ceremonial uncleanness. Because again, remember, God wants his people to be holy. They want to be clean. They want to be different. They want to be, he wants them to be separate. And so he's showing them that um, it's not so much of an ethical issue. I mean, if you are, for example, you get sick with leprosy, for example, that's not really your fault for the most part, most of the time. So why should you be called unclean like you did something wrong? You know, God, and that, that's kind of where some of the superstitions came from, especially later on in the Bible. You see that a lot where, well, that person is blind because he sinned. He's a sinner, therefore God punished him by giving him blindness. When Jesus clears the record later and says that these people are this way to glorify God in their condition. So that's not it, but that's probably where this superstition came from. But this is more of a ceremonial uncleanness. But if you fail to do what is required of you to be clean, then it is sin in God's eyes. So this definitely reflects the holiness of God, and it keeps Israel distinct from the nations around it. But you also see that this is a very sanitary way of living, which is completely different from the rest of the world right? Why do you think, for example, that God told them to stay away from eating pigs, for example? He didn't want them to eat pigs because we know today that pigs have a certain bacteria in them if you don't cook them properly. And if you don't cook them properly, you will get really sick and probably die in those days. So he's doing it to protect them. And so he's Encourage them them to eat animals and creatures that are going to be healthy for them. It's for their good. Remember, this is God. He does all things for his glory, and he does all things for his good, and he does them at the same time. It seems tedious from the surface level, and it seems way too complicated. Why would anybody want to follow this? But God knows what he's doing, and he explains it in such vivid detail and so we just have to trust him with it. And just go to chapter 13, and you see this whole section about leprosy here. What is, if it has this, but it's not this, it's not leprosy. If it has this, this, and this, it's leprosy. And so it's it's helping the priests identify what is considered clean and unclean. Because, and hey, we just got through a, a, a virus, a, a global pandemic, did we not? And even back here, thousands of years ago, it's talking about quarantine. Separating somebody if they're sick from the rest of the group. Nobody would have understood that in those days. Unless God showed them that. And he's showing them how to identify infections, how to identify leprosy, and something that's just benign. So it's very interesting. And I took um, a little bit of offense to the end of uh, chapter 13, verse 40. If a man loses the hair on his head, he is bald, but he is clean. I'm, I'm bald. And I lost my hair early in my early 30s. And it's a family curse. So, But I'm glad that my condition is listed in the Bible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, really sad to see that you know, what people had to go through when they had leprosy. It is really sad. Now, what's very interesting is this as well. Um, From what I know in the Bible, now correct me if I'm wrong, but there are only two times in the entirety of Scripture where somebody is cured of leprosy, right? One is Naaman, which we'll see later. He goes and washes himself in the Jordan seven times, according to Elisha, and then he's clean, right? And then the other one is the leper with Jesus Christ. And it's amazing because, so you can imagine that if this, if those are the only times that leprosy was ever cured, 
you can imagine that this is a very obscure part of the law that people would look at like, boy, we've never seen this before. Why is this even in the law? It's very funny. You can see kind of God's sense of humor in that because when Jesus came and he healed the man with leprosy, what did Jesus tell him? Go and show yourself to the priest and do what the law tells you to do, whatever sacrifices you have to do. And like it says here, you got to have some two different birds and get some red string and stuff like that. And, you know, that's it's pretty complicated. But you can just imagine that that day that he walked into that synagogue and was like, hey, I'm here to uh, turn in my offering because I was cured of leprosy. And they're like, what? How is that even possible? And I'm like, wait, let me, let me go to the law real quick and let me look up how to do that because we've never had to do that before. Hmm. Oh, okay, that's what we have to do. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I thought that was very um, funny that Jesus would do that um, after cle clearing the man of leprosy. And we didn't know until um, chapter 14 that... A house could get leprosy. But I don't think it's leprosy like we know it. Based on the coloring, the red and the greenish color, that's got to be a form of mold. You know, it's, or some sort of a rot. You know, that would be the what would be considered leprosy of a house. It was phrased in a way that the people would understand, but that's more of like a mold issue than it is an actual leprosy. Uh, per se. So it's not like a house is a living creature and it can get leprosy, just to be clear about that. And then it's talking about um, kind of gross. Chapter 15 is, I'm trying to keep this as family friendly as possible, okay? So please, please forgive me. Um, but there are some uh, gross stuff in there about men and women in their sexual organs, there's no nicer way to say it, uh, that if there's an issue with air, uh, then there's a certain way that needs to be handled. Everything is basically unclean. If it, they have a discharge or emissions of any kind like that, and the women's bleeding and so on and so forth. Um, but two things are very interesting here. One, scientifically, uh, you see here in verse 13, he tells them that the man should wash himself with running water that was not discovered until like the civil war era i mean that's fairly recent and yeah god said you need to bathe in running water why because it carries away all the germs they didn't know that at the time but god did and then i saw this one is very beautiful as well i mean the description of it's not beautiful but what it relates to this uh, section here about, uh, especially in chapter 15, beginning of verse 25, where it talks about a woman having discharge of her blood many days. I recall somebody in the Bible having that. Wasn't it that girl, that, that lady, my apologies, that was, um, it mentions that in the New Testament, when Jesus was pushing through a crowd of people that there was a woman who had been hemorrhaging for years, very much just like this. And she just had to touch his, just the hem of his garment that she could be clean. And she did, and the bleeding immediately stopped. And that's when Jesus said, who touched me? I felt power come out of me. Not that he didn't know who touched him, but he wanted her to confess her faith to him. And she said, daughter, your faith has made you well, right? And so this is directly related to that. I thought that was really neat. I, I'm, that was a new one for me. So I'm glad I read this, how this relates. The Old Testament completely relates to the New Testament. So yeah, that is going to do it for today. Um, so we'll continue more laws as we go through the next five chapters in our next reading. It doesn't look to be as long as the one today. This one was especially long, but we are going through the worst of it, if you want to call it that, in terms of length and detail of these laws. But there will be more laws to come.
but we're doing good, making great progress. Until next time, I'm Ryan. Thank you for listening, and have yourself a great day. Thank you, and God bless you.